Trekkies, and welcome to Trek Freaks, part of the Geek Freaks podcast family. In this podcast, we review episodes of Star Trek, starting with the original series. I'm John, and I'll be one of your hosts, joined by my friend, brother, and special guest co-host, Frank. How's it going, Frank? Hey, all I'm happy to be here. Kevin had to sit out. He's a little under the weather, but he's, he's already doing good. He's playing video games for bed, so don't feel too bad for him. For him. Right. <laughs> but he's, he has to sit out. Laying in bed, having soup, playing video games. I like it. Oh, man. Soup sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> punk. <laughs> uh, so, Frank, what episode are we reviewing today? We are talking Arena, which is episode 18 of the first season from TOS. Nice. I'm excited. Uh, so this is, uh, I'm excited for this episode because this is one of them that's been parodied, I think, so many times in other oh, shows. Yeah. I, I, I knew this episode before I even seen it. True. This episode is famous, but not for the like episode's sake. It's just the costume. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, all right, before we get into that, we do have a question. But before our question, I want to give a very special shout out to our new patron, Stephanie, from Washington. She's a huge Trek Freaks fan, especially a big Voyager fan uh, when it comes to Star Trek, which we both are huge Voyager fans. So much. Uh, I cannot wait for Trek Freaks to get into Voyager, man. Oh, I know no. it's years from now, <laughs> but I cannot it's wait. Be so good. I'm going to geek out so much more than I do now. Yeah. Uh, so thank you for joining our patreon stephanie uh, thank you for listening and enjoying what we have anytime you have a question just send it our way we'd love to read one of your questions aloud uh that'd be a lot of fun that is a good point yeah um i also want to give a shout out to her profile pic mm-hmm. which is one of the uh it's the tom paris newt oh, nice. <laughs> from, oh gosh from threshold episode of voyager <laughs> poor tom he's oh, like man. i don't know when you listen to his he has a podcast series right now too and uh when you yeah. listen to him joke about that it's like he's never gonna live that down <laughs> Nope. <laughs> it, when you go to a Star Trek convention too, everybody knows like, oh, Threshold? Yeah, Threshold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So before we dive too deep, I want to ask you a question, Frank. All right. Uh, what subject would each captain of our different Star Trek series, what subject would they teach in high school if they were a high school okay. teacher? Now, I've got them all but one. One of them eludes me, and I'm going to start with him. Okay. Captain Kirk. I can't figure oh, out what Captain Kirk would be teaching. That was the easiest for me. So one of the first few episodes, we see him uh, working with, uh, what's that kid's name? Um, that kid that has psychic powers. I forget his name. Uh, okay. Charlie X. That's it. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, with the crazy eyes. Yeah, 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 yeah. crazy eyes. <laughs> so he's working out with him in the gym. I'm like, oh, duh, Kirk would be a gym or martial arts teacher, self-defense teacher. Okay. Totally. He's got to teach kids how to use that double-handed you know, axe fist punch thing. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good one. I also gave it to Archer as well. I didn't want to give it to Kirk, but I gave it to Archer as well. Oh, okay. Um, do you have a better one for Archer? I, so I was putting him under political science because I, I haven't watched a lot of Enterprise, just probably like five or six episodes. Uh, yeah. But with, when I Googled him a little bit and found that he was one of the first presidents of the uh, Federation yeah. once it was formed. So I was like, oh, that's kind of a big deal. He's, you know, important to the federation and in politics obviously so yeah political science for him i think you're right that kirk is definitely more of a gym leader i gave political science to cisco who's like i mean god think of the balancing of different factions he has to do out there right so i I, that's tough i had him in a similar fashion as uh social studies that'd be a little more you know historic and not so current but speaking of history i hope you agree with me on this one picard picard has to teach history <laughs> so Picard from back in Next Gen, yes, but I was thinking Picard from the new series Picard, and I'm like, you know, he has a nice vineyard. Maybe he should be the ag teacher. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. yeah. So it's like it's like the old ag teacher that's just kind of hanging out on campus. I like that one. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, how do you you can't own a vineyard and not know nothing about grapes or agriculture? So he's got to right. have some kind of background knowledge that we don't know about. That's like his retirement. I think he was history teacher for his entire career, but he's like, you know what, guys? I need to calm down a little bit. Let me go to ag. Yeah. I'll teach ag now. There you yeah. go. All right. What do you got for Janeway? Straight up science. She's a science teacher. Okay. This isn't in our high schools, but I figured to elaborate on the science, I'd want her to teach temporal mechanics. Definitely that. <laughs> yes. If it's, if it's a Starfleet high school for yeah. some reason, Borg I'm on board with that. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. That is a great one right there. Yeah. She's or astrometrics or something like that. She's, uh, I just love Janeway so much. Yeah. She's dope. <laughs> she can't do wrong. Uh, That's a good one. Well, you know what? She wouldn't be a teacher. She'd be the principal. She's running the school. What are you talking about? <laughs> she'd be, you know what she'd be? Uh, she'd be Miss Frizzle on yeah. the Magic School Bus. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Deep cut. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, with that being said, you ready for our warp speed recap? Very much so. In response to a distress call, uh, Kirk and a landing party beamed down to a colony on Cestus 3, only to find that it was an elaborate trap. 
The installation was destroyed, and the Enterprise, as well as the landing party, are under attack. Kirk and his landing party land a strike that send the aliens running. Fueled by rage, the Enterprise pursues the aliens to settle the score. Before they can catch their prey, both ships are stopped in space. Having dragged this feud into the space of the Metrons, a very powerful species, they are now forced to settle this hand -to -hand, in hand-to-hand -hand combat. The Metrons transport both captains to an asteroid where they will battle to the death. The victor will be set free, but the loser and his ship will be destroyed. Attempting to fight hand-to-hand, -hand, Kirk quickly realizes his enemy, the Gorn, though slow, is much stronger than him. He will need to find a way to outwit him. After throwing rocks and searching for good weapons, Kirk finds the right materials and builds a small cannon. He completes it just in the nick of time and fires at the Gorn, impaling him with several diamonds. With the Gorn stretched out at his mercy, Kirk decides to spare his life. He considers that this creature may have attacked the installation to protect his own people somehow. In the Kirk rebellious fashion, he yells out to the Metrons that he will not kill this Gorn. Uh, this pleases the Metrons and demonstrates that there may be some hope for humanity after all. Both ships are freed and the Enterprise is transported to the other side of the galaxy. The crew continues on their mission. Perfect. How did you, what did you think of this episode overall? I, I liked, uh, I, I liked it overall. I thought it was a good episode. Uh, I know it gets a lot of grief for the, you know, kind of tacky costume, but compared to the, yeah. the two episodes go the two or three episodes ago, the Galileo 7 and that bear-like creature, whatever, that yeah, costume was, seriously. that was not a costume. That was, oh crap, we forgot to make a character. <laughs> uh, so this Somebody was, get the fur rug off the ground, we're going to make a costume out of that thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I thought this was very well done uh, compared to that. Um, so yeah, I like the episode. I, I don't know. What'd you think? Well, I think, yeah, first off, if you're, if you're an avid Star Trek watcher, especially TOS, you're not worried about what the costume looks like. It's all about the story. Mm -hmm. And I think story-wise, this thing is kind of thin. Um, it's mostly about the battles, which is cool. It's a really fun episode to watch, mm -hmm. but doesn't feel like it's one of those mem memorable Star Trek episodes on its own. Yeah. Where we're like, man, this one has me thinking. Like, just this, the last one, The Squire of Gothos, which me, it's funny because every time Kevin's like, man, I love that episode. I'm like, man, I did not like that episode. We go <laughs> back and forth every time. Um, Squire of Gothos makes you think, like, is he a Q? What, who are his parents? Mm -hmm. What's with the mirror? You know, there's all kinds of questions that come out of that. When this was just like, it was a battle most of the time, you know? Yeah, I think it, I think it has some deeper questions that you can ask, but we'll get into them later on. Right, but of I, course. I think the limitation of this episode was how much it took to set up that scenario. The True. beaming down, getting attacked, trying to defend themselves, launching an attack, and then beaming back to the Enterprise, and then finally they're in pursuit. And then finally that pursuit ends and both ships getting frozen. And finally they end up on the planet to start their fight. This could yeah. have been... If they really wanted to, if they really liked the story and wanted to elaborate, this could have easily been a two-part episode. They could have, you know, ended with the ships being frozen or, you know, uh, the two captains being brought to the planet surface or the asteroid surface. Uh, so I think that, that they were just being ambitious and trying to take on too much in one episode that there was probably some stuff they, they could have flushed out a little bit that they didn't. Yeah, it was cool, though, to see a new alien race that was very unique. Yeah. And not just like an alien that looks like a human, but they're actually aliens. Yeah. Like the, it, I always <laughs> like when they could expand on the universe. It's it's really cool. Yeah. They don't just have polka dots or a thumbprint on their forehead or yeah. <laughs> pointy ears. <laughs> yeah. Pointy ears. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, though I, I think there's more to the Gorn than we know. And then probably most people watching would really, you know, draw out of it. So I want to elaborate when we get to that point. But we can do our, our scene by scene. And when we get to that point, we can talk about it. Yeah. All right, so we start, we're on the Enterprise. The crew is beaming down to the colony on Cestus III. Um, the, and there's an exchange between Bones and Spock and Kirk. They're talking about uh, how well-known the Commodore is here and how he sets a, a good table and that rank has its privileges and stuff like that. And it's just kind of funny the way Bones, uh, Bones and, and Kirk are saying, you know, yeah, we, we both know rank has its privileges. So... In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, like, what privileges do they enjoy in rank that we don't see on a starship or something like that? Uh, but then that leads my question to you. What, what privileges would you expect as, a, as, like, a Starfleet captain? What would you want to have on a ship? Um, you know, yeah, it's, it's tough because it's also, like, a military-slash-science ship, mm -hmm. right? So there's certain things like that. Um, 
privileges. I mean, I know it doesn't count for TOS, but I want like first first call on holodeck. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That was the only thing I could think of is like, I want open-ended holodeck time. Like I'll be on yeah. there anytime I'm not needed on the bridge, which unfortunately for a captain is almost always. Uh, right. But yeah, I'm going to go live in the, I'll have my quarters. My room will be a holodeck, you know, room. That'd be cool. Yeah, what kind of privileges would you want as a captain on the on just that? I mean, uh, uh be able to more time. Yeah, yeah, full access to a holodeck, or better yet, have my quarters converted into its own private holodeck so that you could be sleeping. Then you go to the the mental stability of holodecks. I mean, of course, again, it's not TOS, but we see it a little bit like in Voyager and Next Gen. Yeah, but people can get sucked into that world and not want to come back out. So pretty interesting. Leave me in there. let me stay in my fictional world now but see they're exploring the galaxy so they see such a vibrant world already they don't probably don't need need that as much maybe on the flip side instead of exploring in the in the um holodeck like we would imagine going to new worlds they probably would want to live in their hometown and go to that tavern down the street good point see old friends that you don't get to see anymore have kind of an anchor that is normality instead of all this space which Tom Paris's little like Irish town was kind of that, right? Yeah, it was just Fair kind of Haven. like, hey, here's just a place to go. Fairhaven, thank you. Yeah. Which, by the way, on Lower Decks, they do mention when Tom Paris is coming <laughs> on, he's like, he's the creator of Fairhaven. Yeah. So Fairhaven blows up to be like a very popular holiday right. program. That's so funny. I love, I love that. that. Yeah. I love how these, they connect all those together. Yeah. Um, so after that, uh, Spock tells, the, tells Bones that he's a sensualist, and Bones says, you bet your pointy ears I am. I thought that was just kind of funny, the way they... I freaking love Bones. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, he's essentialist. He enjoys, you know, the luxuries and pleasures of life. Yeah. Uh, but for Spock, that's just not something that he cares about. Uh, so they beam down to the uh, planet or to the colony, Cestus Three, Right. And they find it's completely destroyed. We see the intro and then uh, we come back. The colony is destroyed and they're searching, trying to find survivors. I will say that the set looks pretty nice. They did a good job. They paid good money for that set. Yeah. And it's a big, it's an outdoor you know, a large space. It's not like something they could just put in the corner of one of their studios. Well, in this, this area in the desert, it's outside of, I think it's in Death Valley, actually. I'm not positive on this, mm. but I know it's used in a lot of other films and movies like Breaking Bad and stuff like that. Mm. But they still had to bring out a lot onto that set to make that work. Yeah. And they even did like a, a panning shot when Kirk's running later on mm. that was like, man, that's not a cheap shot. They did yeah. a good job on this episode. Even if that stuff is mostly styrofoam and paint, it's a lot of styrofoam and paint. It's a lot of work exactly. to put all that together. Yeah. A lot of work, a lot of man hours. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so at that point, we also see something I don't think we've seen, maybe, maybe on shore leave, is a, a rare captain's log where he's narrating captain's log without seeing just the ship in the background. You see a, a walk and talk. You see the characters actually moving in the scene. He does it a lot in this episode. Yeah. yeah. And, and so I even noticed that it, they mute the audio from Kirk and Spock. They were kind of chit-chatting or something like that as they walk, but we don't hear that. All we hear is the narrative of the captain's log. Even so. better yet, Jonathan, they use, it's a it's an effect they teach you with audio engineering. Mm-hmm. They like bleed the audio in from one to the other. So you actually hear Kirk talking to Spock mm-hmm. and Kirk talking to the log for a split second. They actually bleed the audio over, which yeah. is just like, man, that is some like cool advanced techniques this episode they were fancy with it man i'm telling you yeah i thought that was interesting <laughs> yeah that's uh, cool do you now do you prefer that uh, to me i'm I'm used to seeing the the ship in the background when you're hearing a captain's log and it kind of gets you prepared for the scene to come so i like that better would you do you like it better when it's a well, in the scene i think i like it better like you're saying just because it's it's what we familiar you know, what we grew up with right yeah. we've seen that in the newer stuff where we grew up on voyager um but it, it is always cool to see like how else that world can show that. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I, I would never have known that the thing that he's recording himself into looks like a trimmer. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's this weird thing that he's talking into. Yeah. Um, yeah, just expanding the world a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I like the, the regular kind though. Yeah. All right, so at this point, we see the landing party is attacked. They're looking for survivors and then they start getting, you know, bombarded. Uh, one crewman gets like vaporized by some kind of phaser attack. Uh, and then they they're getting attacked by uh, artillery. You see these, you know, explosions and whatnot. They try to protect themselves. Eventually, Kirk is able to launch like a, a grenade, but is this must be some other kind of technology, not just a standard grenade. Uh, and they they guess right. They angle it at the the aliens where they're hiding on the top of this you know hillside or whatever. 
the attack was successful and this scares off these aliens to, and gets them to flee. They even get word from Enterprise that the alien ship has, is you know, almost out of their sensor range, but they could sense that it used its transporter, so it beamed its uh, people back. Okay, a couple questions for you. Yeah. First off, well, did you notice that, like, yeah, everybody's kind of using artillery, kind of outdated technology in this battle that they're having, right? Yeah, I'm wondering. Kind of weird. Maybe Even this, the Gorn were using them. Maybe this installation was really old. Maybe the Gorn's technology isn't as advanced as ours, and maybe this installation has been there for, you know, 100 years, so it never never had conflict, so they have no need to right. upgrade to newer technology. Or Well, not even that, but it feels like the Gorn are, are using artillery, right? They're using yeah. artillery, which is, again, you would think is kind of old school. Yeah. And then... The use of artillery back is interesting. I think this installation's new because we learned some stuff about it later on. I think this is kind mm-hmm. of a new place. Maybe. Um, and then another thing too is I think there's a part where he asked Enterprise to fire down onto the to the planet to try to hit the Gorn. Am I mistaken by that? I don't remember that, but but maybe. Uh, I know he Which was... I thought was very it even uses they this is the very first episode, it's my trivia that I'm gonna bring up later on. Uh-huh. <laughs> the very first time they use photon torpedoes. Oh yeah. And so they mentioned that. That's right. Arm your arm your yeah. photon. Now I know uh I, this is interesting to see Kirk trying to captain his ship from a planet surface, not on yeah. the bridge. I don't think he normally does that. Whoever he leaves in charge is the one there to make the decision. Which Sulu in this case, yeah. Yeah. But he's telling him kind of what to do. But he was telling you, know, protect my ship, get out of there. If you if you can't, you yeah. know, protect the ship right now, leave us here and get away and come back when you can. Uh, which is always awesome under pressure. Yeah. yeah. Right, which works. Uh, so the Gorn, after just one grenade launcher, you know, landing on them, they, they flee. Why do you think they would flee after such a little attack? I think it's an escalation of what they saw coming. Like, I don't think they expected for the grenade launch or for, or for the enterprise to launch at them. Mm-hmm. I think it was such an escalation. They just got done attacking this little outpost. Now, um, I'm sure we're about going to talk about it in a moment here, but Kirk takes this situation as, oh, they're trying to get rid of the Enterprise so they could take over this entire sector. Yeah. It's not what the Gorn actually are doing, yeah. but that's what he thinks they're doing. Yeah. So I'm wondering from his point of view, why does he think they're fleeing? Because in which, he's like, no, you want Enterprise to stay near this planet so you can take it out. That's odd. true. Yeah, I didn't understand. Because that that um, that was the, the reasoning that they were trying to uh, come to was that, oh yeah, the Gorn try to lure us here by attacking this outpost because they want to destroy the only police in the sector for the Federation. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, as soon as they start to flee, it's like, well, why would you flee if your prey is here and, you know, you finally... But maybe they misunderstood their capabilities or something like that. Well, from the Gorn point of view, I mean, we could talk about it because you did the, the warp speed. Yeah. So from the Gorn, Gorn's point of view, they see this as you guys put an installation in our property. Yeah. So we're trying to push you off of it. So I think in that case, yeah, they took out the property pretty easy. It was like a science facility. Yeah. But then when the Enterprise shows up and has the muscle, then they're like, oh, shoot, we're not prepared to fight this guy off. Yeah. So we need to bounce and we'll come back with more muscle Yeah. or not at all. So in, for everything the Gorn doing from mm-hmm. the Gorn point of view, I think makes sense. But from Kirk's point of view, it's not making sense because then why would they leave? Because he thinks they're trying to wipe out the Enterprise itself. Yeah. And I think the Gorn's uh, like military tactics are so different from ours because we will will put bodies in front of bullets. Like we'll we'll push wave after wave of man into a war just to see how many it takes to kill the bad so guy. So Futurama, right? <laughs> which was based after. off of Kirk. <laughs> right, I love that. But yeah. uh, I think as soon as they see that these these aliens, you know, the that Kirk and and the Enterprise has weapons that can destroy our people, that can kill our Gorn that that is like touching the hot stove they know oh crap our our gorn our people's lives are so valuable to us it's not worth risking Ooh, i like that yeah it's not worth risking a life uh to be in in this confrontation so we need to back out and only act only you know strategize and attack in ways that will protect ourselves still so i like that putting you know touching the hot stove which we you know we jump in head first and if somebody has to die in the process unfortunately we allow it and Star Trek and human uh, warfare, I guess. Yeah. So, uh, all right. <laughs> so, moving on. <laughs> I know, he's getting too too deep, but yeah, I think they're protecting right. themselves. That's right. Uh, Figuring out motivation is often hard, and, 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 and right now we're talking about two warring factions, and I think it goes into the theory of the entire episode, so it's important we talk about it. Yeah. Um, so, they questioned a survivor that they found in the rubble of the installation, and... And he's the one that's explaining that this whole thing was a trap, that 
that we never sent you guys a message, that this message came from that and you must come from them or something like that. So that was kind of misleading. And I don't know how that plays into what we find out later, because we find out later that the Gorn were there just to destroy this you know, invader that was on their property. Right. Uh, and he says, we never sent you a message. I think they did send a message and the timing was just off, right? Well, I think the Gorn must have sent the message because we find out the Gorn can't speak English. Mm-hmm. So um, I think the Gorn did send the message asking for help. But I think they kind of did that. I don't think they were like, hey, Enterprise, come help us. I think it was a random distress thing to like, hey, look, let's clear out the sector and see who else is out here. Mm-hmm. Try to get all that specific se- uh, um, settlement's ships back. Take them out. Kind of basically uh, like you're getting out games. like roaches, basically. So you take out the nest of roaches, then you take out all the roaches that might be loose on around the sides. Yeah. I think that's what they were doing. That's 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 pretty messed up. Like you yeah. you you uh, activate a small bomb or set off a small bomb and wait for all the paramedics and police to show up and then you set off the big bomb. Yeah, yeah, that's not advice, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> that's evil. <laughs> was that that was on Hunger Games, right? That, I think it was something about that Hunger Games. That, I haven't watched yeah, that a bit. Uh, Primrose, Katniss's little sister, uh, goes out there out in the yeah, field. Right. I think maybe it was in the book and not a movie or something like that. But she's. Could be. One of the medics and the anyways, sorry, not to deviate into something totally different. <laughs> um, all right, so while pursuing the alien ship, Spock and Kirk, um, I'm oh, sorry, Spock asks Kirk what his intent is if if he catches the ship. Is he gonna just destroy the ship? Is he gonna try to talk to them? Are they gonna try to make some kind of right. peace treaty and understand their perspective? Because Spock is always on the side of protecting sentient life, and I think usually Bones is as well. Uh, but we see Kirk is, he's just furious. I mean, hundreds or maybe thousands, I don't know, of, of humans just were, and maybe other aliens that are in the Federation, uh, were just killed on this planet. So he's out for blood. Yeah. He's just going. And, and I think, I think we're starting to form our like overall uh, message of this episode is basically justice versus revenge. Yeah. And I mean, it's clear that Kirk is all about revenge in this case, even pushing a ship beyond its capabilities mm-hmm. while everybody else is like, look, this is just not just, you know, and, and it's full. You're going to hurt us yeah. trying to do this. Yeah. It was because it was, he was trying to stay at warp eight longer than they should, you know. Yeah. Safely. Which, by the way, another trivia thing. This is the first time we established that cruising speed for the Enterprise is warp six. Mm, I like it. Um, so, yeah, Kirk says there's no time for this, you know, to no time for considering life and we're going to destroy them. Uh, which demonstrates, you know, an emotional and less admirable uh, nature of humanity. Really, is it's right. human nature to be mad and hurt and want to lash out. But uh, we see that that contrast in Spock's, you know, Vulcan rationality. Yeah, it's uh, a more primal version of humanity, which we find out later on is a problem. <laughs> yeah. So that brings my next question: Is what would be the Federation protocol in this kind of a matter? I mean, your your people were just attacked. How? I don't know what would be approved protocol, you know, for them to, once they hunt down these aliens, when they get to them, do they just automatically destroy them because they're a threat that killed hundreds of humans or do they need to try to detain them? You know? Yeah. It's an unknown race, right? Cause they haven't experienced the Gorn before. True. So it'd be first contact as well. But they're aggressors. Um, they're aggressors. I think they would try to capture them is yeah. the main thing. They're aggressors that are also in retreat. So that's complicated yeah i think i think first thing is try to capture them second thing like within reason mm-hmm. and then i think the second thing is figure out where they're going and then eventually show up to their front door with you know a flagship or something like that something something impressive yeah hmm. i don't know what do you think what, what would you do on that case yeah i think the same thing like you have to try to open a channel of communication because most of these conflicts and misunderstandings are just from not being able to communicate like hey where is your border because we wanted to put an outpost out here to just to exactly. meet other people and introduce ourselves and make friends. Uh, but building on a planet within their space uh, was an act of, you know, war, apparently. So, yeah, opening a, a means of communication so that they can be on the same page. Probably be the Federation's uh, go-to. Which we'll talk about later on, too. Their border, I mean, we could talk about right now. Their border has the um, Metrons in it. So it's like yeah. your border... It's clearly not that big of a deal if you got the <laughs> Metrons in it and you guys didn't know about them yeah. <laughs> or, you know, didn't know to stay away from their planet or their, their solar system. Yeah. So there's a level of like, you think it's your border. <laughs> <laughs> if the Metron said it's not, then it is not. <laughs> yeah. But maybe the Metrons, you know, like them and appreciate how they are when they're not in conflict with other people. So they let Good them point. stay. I don't That's know. true. true. Um, so as they're in pursuit, they're approaching a solar system, which is another thing that I, I hate to just 
make Star Trek sound bad, but they're approaching a solar system. But when you look at their view screen, they're passing stars left and right. There's hundreds of them passing by. Isn't there solar systems in almost all those stars? Well, we don't know. Those stars can be very far away. I mean, they're probably coming up to one that's not very far away is the idea. Because the stars yeah. that they're passing up are ones that are, could be, you know, yeah. light years away. far away. Yeah. I don't know about light years. I don't, you know, again, we'll get the, we'll get the astronomers on or whatever. God, I don't even know if I'm saying that right. <laughs> Science people, smart guys. Stephanie, save us if you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't know. So I just thinking like this, they, they can see the solar system that's going to, that's scanning them and it's a, it's ahead of them. But yeah. I'm thinking like, aren't you passing every star you're passing has a solar system around that star, but. Presumably those are too far to actually consider. Yeah. Um, okay. So they're getting scanned. Um, the ship ahead of them, the alien ship that they're pursuing, starts to slow down. So Kirk is licking his lips, right? He's getting excited. <laughs> <I like that. laughs> but then, same thing happens to them. They get to a point where all of a sudden, wait, they're slowing down, and they drop out of warp speed, and they're frozen in space. Um, and so the Metrons uh, take over the view screen and communicate to them that you, you know, you people are pretty much savages. Uh, your fight is spilled over in our space, so we're gonna settle it for you. Uh, and explains that you know we're gonna take. The two captains put you on an asteroid and you're going to battle to the death. Winner take all, you know, winner, winner goes free and losers destroyed. Uh, and then Kirk disappears. Okay. So John, I got a question for you. Yeah. How, I mean, at this point, is this too many omnipotent beings in the show? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how else to get to it, but yeah, that's everywhere they go. And it's just the perspective of this older show, I think, trying to foresee what we're going to understand in the future. We know, you know, technology has evolved so vastly that right. we see technology as the big bad in the future or, you know, a way to explore different branches. They always, I think, you know, in the past when technology wasn't such a key factor, uh, the human mind and, you know, psychology was being studied a lot more and stuff like that. Oh, that's a good point. It could yeah. be part of like the 60s when this thing was being done. It's yeah. like opening up the human mind more. Yeah. Emotional health and things like that. So. Uh, I think that's where they think, oh, oh other omnipotent being, other, you know, other brains are going to be our problem out there in, in space. More evolved creatures and yeah. stuff like that. It, it definitely makes, like, I think in future Star Treks, it feels like Federation is either the alpha of the quadrant or up there at least. Like, we're not talking about like the Battle of Wolf or anything like that where they're having to fight off Borg. But in general, you assume that other people are having to come across them. Mm -hmm. And if they have any beefs with any big people it's like look this is the neutral zone like nobody passes that mm -hmm. but i feel like in the tos when it's just these guys cruising around in a five-year mission they're coming across like okay this is a no kills this is a no-go zone because these guys can manipulate <laughs> us with a blank now that one is now too because there's another god-like creature over there there's just so many things that they're like running into that can just erase them yeah and it's weird <laughs> i don't know yeah i don't know a way around it like do we develop a technology to where we can detect these creatures or I, they, do we get something that kind of brings us up to their level at some point? Because we don't. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm glad we don't see so many in the future and that they, I think writing in the character of Q solved that problem. So important. Yeah. I think, yeah, you and Kevin kind of brought that up last week too, is I think Q kind of like, hey, look, we still want to have that element in the mm -hmm. show, but we don't necessarily need it for them to run into a new god every week. Yeah. So let's just make this like Q continuum that's a constant problem that likes to test us, which yeah. is the best way to do it because it's like, look, it's like it's like the squire where he just wants to have a little bit of fun, mm -hmm. and it's not gonna it like yes he can just annihilate you, but he's not putting it as a life or death test every time yeah. or you know it's just a test like let's see if you guys can do this and he throws you into there, uh, yeah. it's like a lower decks when they're like they like randomly our chess pieces now and there's like deck of cards on the table he's like I don't even know what game he wants us to play, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they're just having fun. And it makes it fun because you you know the rules. You know how Q functions. To, you know, every time you peel back a couple more layers, but you get to know more and more. It's not a new being where you have to learn the limitations, which you want to change a little bit every time. You don't want them yeah. to be identical or else they are, you know, theoretically the same people. Um, yeah. So I think, and, it, and, I think it helps a lot. And you could also then, once you set up like, hey, this is the standard omnipotent being mm -hmm. that we're going to use, which I think I'm using that word right. Um, you could then expand upon that more. You don't have to always have this thing where like, is humanity worth dealing with this godlike creature? Mm -hmm. Then you can go into like, I mean, one of the best episodes to really dive into is the Voyager episode where he wants to die. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, you know, then you're dealing with life and death and you're doing it through like, yeah, but he's immortal. So it's more valuable and stuff like that. And then you have the episode with Q's son 
where which by the way that is actually q's son his, yeah. his actual son um then you're talking about like is raising your child is it you know selfish you know greedy selfishness versus you know being down to earth mm-hmm. you could actually expand on the stories and it's just really fascinating yeah so yeah i i don't know how many more omnipotent beings we have in tos i'm sure there's going to be plenty more uh but i'm glad that in next gen at least they figured that out and, and created q and i hope we get a lot more mud real soon yes hairy mud uh, so on the bridge, we see the Metrons take over the bridge screen, and it's just like a a light display. It looks like a an old screensaver monitors or mon- you know. yeah. Like, what'd you think about that? Oh yeah, a classic Windows ninety five. They right. left it on for three minutes without touching it. Right. Um. Yeah. It was, the, you know, again, it's just the limits of the sixties. But so you know, later we see the physical representation of a Metron as a guy, real thin, tall, blonde, wearing like a gold silk dress or something like that. Uncomfortable sandals. Yeah. yeah. So I don't get why they wouldn't just depict him on the view screen at the same time. Can't. You know. I I specifically okay. So I thought that like you know he's probably showing his human form just mm-hmm. to kind of like be at peace with the winner. Like, mm-hmm. hey, you know what? You won. This is what I look like. You know, just to kind of just try to comfort Kirk as much as possible. I see. If the if the Gorn had won, you think he would present himself as a more Gorn-looking creature? Yeah, and be like, you want me to go kill this human and his people? Yeah. Everything like that. Hmm. I like that. That's pretty smart. Head cannon. We're right. forming it over here. Yeah. Done. Nailed it. Uh, I love I love to add my head. I'm always listening as I edit your guys' podcast and <laughs> always like, I've got head cannon too. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what I was thinking earlier too is at this intro when I'm like, you know, uh, explaining who you are i gotta add in like producer director editor direct- <laughs> makes it happen <laughs> guy does i got my stinky i got my my sticky finger stinky sticky fingers all over track fix guys I, I love the show so <laughs> all right. uh all right so <laughs> now we finally get to the battle kirk's beam down to the the asteroid and he's face to face with this lizard-like humanoid the gorn um, and I noticed in this remastered version, the Gorn's eyes blink. Do you think that made once. much difference? Oh, only they once? Did it, they did it only I was keeping track of that. I was on Blink Watch. Oh, man. And he did it in the very beginning. And I almost thought it was like a wink to the people that was like, hey, guys, we know this is terrible and we're not going to remaster it. Because <laughs> <laughs> okay. other than that, I, I couldn't tell if they remastered it at all. I kind of looked at some old pictures and it looks about the same. So I think they purposely were like, look, we could make this a big CGI monster he's fighting. But I mean, it's TOS. Let's have some fun. You know? <laughs> Nice. Uh, okay, so yeah, when I saw that, I thought that was pretty smart to just do a simple thing like blinking, but I didn't realize yeah. it was only the one time. I assumed he was blinking the rest of the show. Nope, uh, the rest of the times is diamond eyes. Yeah, which looked pretty cool for, you know. I liked it. I liked having... it. I liked I liked the Gorn a lot more than the the hate that he gets or yeah. like the jokes that it gets. I thought it looked pretty decent, really. L- like if you could breathe in that, I would wear that as a Halloween costume. Like yeah. that would be pretty Everybody cool. Everybody loves Power Rangers. The Power Rangers bad guys are just oh, as God. detailed as the Gorn is for sure. Right. Was it Zorg? Isn't that the big... Uh... That's the big robot. Yeah. yeah. The Megazord or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so, but, so Kirk realizes pretty quickly that this guy is slow, but he has super strength. Yeah. Uh, we go back to the Enterprise and we see that they're trying to do everything they can to break free of this hold that the Metrons have on the ship unsuccessfully. Well, and I like, that was some classic Star Trek up on the ship because they were talking science. Yeah. While, while Kirk is literally throwing rocks with a, with a <laughs> lizard, we have up on the top where they're like, what about this science term? What about that science term? And it was yeah. like, ooh, yeah. So it's science versus, you know, so I was kind of hoping that Spock and crew would win out just because it was like, science beats out brute strength. But it wasn't about that. Yeah, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we see Kirk on the asteroid is searching to find anything he can use for a weapon. Uh, he finds what he calls a fortune and precious stones. He's finding like, rubies and big old chunks of diamond actually right away. Put none in his pocket, by the way, for when he gets back to Earth, by the way. Exactly. And so that makes me wonder, would these valuable precious stones actually be valuable to anybody in Starfleet now that they have replicator technology? Probably not, right? Because they don't have, really have a currency on in the Federation anymore. Yeah. Or on Earth anymore. But doesn't mean you're not going to swing by the Ferengi planet anytime soon. Mm, true. And Right? I mean, come on now. Mm, so that begs another question. When you feed your, your old plate and your leftover food or whatever into the replicator to be turned back into energy, you know, that might give you enough to make a small, you know, stuffed animal. If you put a big old chunk of diamond in there, would that be a whole bunch of matter, a whole bunch of well-structured it's super material? Dense. Yeah, yeah, that could be dissected. Maybe. and So there might be value still in some precious stones that will convert into a payload of usable matter, maybe. And I wonder if Kirk being smart and kind of maybe like a little bit of a history major and stuff like that, knowing 
the value of diamond mm -hmm. is different than if it was just like regular ensign that you know was like whatever dude i'm just in starfleet to please my dad yeah and and like not really paying attention to history was like oh these are shiny rocks yeah. so maybe kirk knowing how valuable diamonds used to be was why he was like wow look uh, at all this that makes sense diamonds used to be valuable pirate ship booty and all that stuff and our like, current like time. yeah like if we were just sitting amongst a pile of the blooms like oh boy look at a pirate's fortune yeah we're not going to take the blooms to walmart you yeah. know exactly and and we already know now that diamonds are really only as valuable as we right. let them be so you know in the future if they don't have much value in technology or whatever since replicators can make anything then yeah with them they probably don't actually have any physical value yeah uh, so th at this point, the Metrons contact Enterprise because they're obviously monitoring the the battle, and they see that Kirk is not, not doing too hot. He's been trying to throw rocks and find weapons, and he can't find anything that he deems a you know a fit weapon to fight with. And the Gorn is so much stronger than him that it's inevitable once he catches up at some point or they get hand to hand, he's going to lose. So the Metrons tell Enterprise, "Hey, you guys should." you know, brace yourself, be prepared, whatever you need to do with your, your God or something like that. Uh, it looks like your captain's probably going to lose. I uh, like that a lot that they were like, look, whatever, kind of like whatever religion you believe in or culture you believe in, mm -hmm. settle your debts. And I kind of like that idea of like, it's something that again, Kirk and the Gorn are not showing each other that kind of respecting your foe yeah. and understanding your foe has their own culture and stuff like that. It's, it's what they're waiting to see out of either the Gorn or Kirk. Yeah. And neither of them are showing it right now. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so then I kind of like the fact too that in preparation and in anticipation of seeing their captain or their captain dying, the Metrons allow them to watch the battle too, so that yeah. they, you know, will feel at peace or something like that. Yeah. Uh, which is cool. Cause then we get to see it from our perspective and from the bridge perspective. Yeah. It's like the Super Bowl for them. They're like, Oh my God, they're all excited for it. Yeah. Right. Um, so the Gorn actually. <laughs> well, well, uh, real quick. Okay. I do love how much like. Spock, who's supposed to have very little emotion, um, while he's watching like Kirk stand sit next to like the right kind of sulfur and stuff like that, he's like getting so into oh, it. Yeah. He's out. also not he is geek geeking out perfect. Yes. He's also not quite sharing the details with the people around him. Uh -huh. So he's like, Oh, you nailed it, Kirk. That thing next to you, and he sits down in his seat. It reminds me of like when you're sitting next to an annoying person in the movies. It's like, oh, watch yeah. this part, watch this part. <laughs> they read the Harry like Potter that. books and you're watching the Harry Potter movie. <laughs> exactly. When I'm sitting next to Spooks, exactly. Oh gosh. He's <laughs> like, watch, 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 watch. And it's sure. Kurt, uh, Spock, let him know what's going on. Like, yeah, he needs to make a cannon with that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. I like it. Um, uh, so at this point, the Gorn uh contacts Kirk through their communicators that they were given. Kirk didn't realize that the Gorn can hear everything he's saying. He offers him a swift death. Like, hey, you just come over to me. We'll stop playing these games. I'll, I'll kill you painlessly and we'll get this over with. Um, and in that, and you know, Kirk obviously says no, but in that the Gorn explains that you guys, you know, built your installation in our space and we were just defending ourselves. Uh, oh. Did he explain that? No. No, the met the metro uh, the, the metrons um, explain that the metrons explain to it to enterprise. Him. Yeah, okay, that's yeah. what I forgot. Kirk didn't didn't understand that. Yeah, because um, again, they're kind of waiting for these guys to kind of open up some communication. But yeah, yeah. Which which okay. Side note, mm -hmm. very interesting note. The fact that first off, this is pre I think universal communicators, right? Because Kirk was surprised that he spoke English. I don't know. I think and they must have universal translators. They've they've spoken to so many other aliens in previous episodes. Well. Maybe not a lot of aliens. Because he was true. so surprised that this that this dude spoke English to him. Yeah. And which was the first kind of hint that was like, oh, they did send that early communique from mm -hmm. the stress beacon kind of thing. Well, so that's where I was pondering here. I actually even have in my notes. I wonder if the Gorn is much smarter than we understand. If I he think was, that was the point. Yeah. Yeah. Was he able to learn to speak enough human English Ooh. just by hearing cock uh sorry could edit that out just by hearing <laughs> just by hearing kirk should i <laughs> uh, yeah probably not uh just my god that's that's so dumb uh just by hearing kirk uh talk is what i was combining the word with hearing kirk talk through his communicator uh what he was recording is like his message to his people about his challenges he has um yeah in hearing that, I think the Gorn was able to learn enough of his English to communicate. So, because they don't, I don't think they have universal translators. They were only given those communicators by the Metrons. Yeah. So, 
I think we underestimate the intelligence of the Gorn, even though they're slow, they're very strong, but I think they're actually a really smart species. Enough to travel through space. And I mean, they, they all, I mean, they were warping faster than the Enterprise, they yeah. were, you know, so really they should have first contact. The Enterprise should be reaching out to them anyways, because mm-hmm. look, you guys are at warp speed now. So, hey, welcome to the Federation if you'd like to join us. Yeah. You know? Okay, this stuff. By and, the way, I'm not going to edit that out because you guys should know how many times these two say stuff like oh that. God. And it's like, All Frank, edit that out. Frank, edit this out. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. Go everyone's just going to hear me saying cock. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So after this, um, oh, and I want to mention too that Kirk points out a couple times that, you know, this Gorn that he's fighting with is also a captain of a ship, just like him. So he's, He's trying to relate with him a little bit and reason yeah, with him. A little bit of respect, yeah. Yeah, and I, th- I think the communication between them kind of helped develop that a little more too, even though Kirk doesn't yet understand that uh, the installation was built in Gorn space. The Enterprise right. does, and we learn that, but he doesn't know yet. But he's still trying to reason that this guy, though he looks you know, nasty because he's a you know, reptilian and stuff. Um, but he says he, he was repulsed by reptiles, and he has to try to avoid that. Yeah. He says that early on. Yeah. So it's almost like this natural repulsion that he's trying to get past. Yeah. So that's it's a smart perspective that I like. He's demonstrating, showing us clearly that it's like even if you don't like a certain kind of people or whatever for some reason, uh, when you work with them and interact with them, you need to recognize that bias you have against them and put it aside and try to to deal with that person just subjectively based on their own words and actions and not what you think you know their people are like or you know, their gender or whatever, their religious group is like, or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, after this, we see Kirk starts compiling uh, all the materials to make a makeshift cannon. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Gorn tries to convince him to give up, again, through the, their communicators. Uh, but Kirk finishes his cannon just in time, and that's when we see him fire it at the Gorn. He's sitting there trying to strike it. Him trying to strike it reminded me a whole lot of that uh, scene in Mulan, too, when she's trying, yeah. <laughs> trying to launch the cannon. Last uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so he has a direct impact. He impales this Gorn with several diamonds. None of them were right in his core area. They mostly look like they're like in his shoulder and arms. We don't know. We don't know where the hearts are on the Gorn. It probably is in the shoulder. Oh, that's, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> but Classic place to have a heart. Because <laughs> I'm thinking we want to believe that this Gorn survived, beamed back to his ship, and they lived a merry yeah. life. But um, yeah, we don't know if, if he's actually fatally wounded. But he was yeah. alive on the ground. Kirk took his weapon, which was a, uh, not dragon glass. That's the wrong word. Like obsidian. Obsidian. It looked, it looked, yeah. An obsidian spike. What um, a game of Thrones geek. <laughs> I know. I'm trying to think it's ever since then. It's just like, that's all I can think of when I see that. Yeah. Um, so he, he's able to kill the Gorn right now, stab him in the neck or the face or whatever, but he chooses not to. Um, the Metron then appears, the Kirk shouts out, you know, I will not kill the Gorn. The Metron yeah. appears and, uh, Kirk, you know, showing mercy was uh, an advanced trait. I think he said something mm-hmm, like that, mm-hmm. which impressed him. Uh, so his people will be spared. Uh, Kirk is transported back to the Enterprise. Um, I thought that was that was cool. I like how that ended. But again, you know, just like the previous, I think it was the previous episode. It was a little fast, a little too easy of a patch up. I think. Yeah, too everybody. easy. I want there to be a little bit of a challenge to get to a happy ending. That's the problem with this, you know, this omnipotent beings is they they're just like, okay, we'll flip the switch back. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. So, anyways, but yeah, tra- uh, both both captains get transported back to their ships now that you know Kirk has proven. Oh, sorry, I guess I should explain too. Uh, the Metron asked Kirk after he said, "I'm not going to kill this creature." Uh, the Metron says, "Okay, well, you were you were successful, you won. So, do you want me to go ahead and execute him and his ship, destroy his ship, yeah. uh, or not?" And Kirk was like, no, no, I think there's a chance we can, you know, find common ground or we can communicate and make a treaty. Um, so the Metron was like, good call, bud. <laughs> and then uh, sends them on their way. When they get back to the ship, Sulu's confused. He's looking around like, what the heck? Where are we? We're, was it like 500 parsecs, I think, away from where they had started? So probably just to make sure there's peace or time to cool off or whatever, the Metron tossed the Enterprise, you know, clear across the galaxy. Uh, which is kind of funny, kind of messed up. Like, I know. Hey, we- <laughs> well, kind of like, now, hold on. Now, if I do my math right, how, yeah. that's 70 years back. Right. <laughs> like, don't, when we have a lot of work to do, this was just one of our stops, guy. Like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> anyway, 
put his way out of uh, off course. Yeah, Kirk even says go back to the original planet that they were supposed to be at <laughs> for that yeah. distress call. And, and Hulu was so confused. Kirk's like, just don't try to figure it out. Just plot a course back to Cestus Three. But like you're saying, like five hundred sectors. I don't know how many light years that is, but that's gonna take them a while to get back. Yeah. Um, Reminds me of the lower decks thing where they're like, how did they get back? to life or whatever they're like don't ask it's a bridge thing just like be happy you're on the ship just get things done <laughs> right smile and nod smile and nod yeah uh and then spock even asks kirk how the fight ended because they their transmission cut out before the end uh and kirk doesn't really explain it but he says you know there's there's promise for our species yet and that maybe in a thousand years or so we'll be able to prove it i thought that was kind of cool I, again like you were saying earlier with spock kind of leaving everybody in the dark why doesn't Kirk just explain it? Don't leave, don't leave everybody they, in the dark. They constantly do this. Spock yeah. and Kirk both yeah. constantly do this thing where like, we've seen it before with the uh, menagerie where mm-hmm. Spock's on a mission. It's like, just explain to everybody around you what's going on and save everybody. Everybody yeah. hassle right now. But I, they constantly do that. I think that's for just a little bit of like uh, suspense on our end or a little excitement. That True. We're yeah. on the inside. We know, we know the dirt the other guy doesn't know or whatever. But um, So that was it. Then they're back on their mission. Uh, I gave this episode a B plus. I thought it was a really good episode, uh, but the early plot kind of setup felt a little clumsy. It took a little while to get to the the main battle. So, like I was saying earlier, this probably would have been a good one if they wanted to elaborate a little more and right. and build it out a little more to do a two part episode. But cramming it together, it just kind of did feel a little clumsy. I'm giving it a B minus. I felt like it probably could have been higher but again there's a little bit of a, you know, we don't need any more gods to be yeah. kind of like just making decisions for our crew um and the 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 lesson i thought was kind of shallow which for me was just basically eye for an eye makes us both blind kind mm-hmm. of thing um and what kind of mission what kind of mission did you get from it or uh, you know story message, yeah. message so, thank you mine was uh enemies are just people you haven't learned to communicate with because that Ooh, was I like that yeah that was a big thing um between the two of them with Kirk and this other captain right away though, Kirk was trying to uh, overcome his bias and see from this captain's perspective. But once they were able to communicate, I think that was a huge factor. And then we know with, with any uh, first contact or with other species, if you can't communicate, you're just assuming that they have negative intent that they're trying to attack you. Once you can communicate, you can make a treaty or understand their perspective and know that you're in their space or whatever. Uh, another message or moral I put on here is uh, I put every man is a king at his home. And so that's something that I've said at work before and stuff and, and learned from a another uh, student, I guess, a person in a Dale Carnegie course. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it pretty much is that we, like, when you're at work, uh, at, even the janitor, even the, like, the most lowly person in your company, when he goes home, He's got a wife and he's got kids, you know, presumably, or whatever family situation he has. Nevertheless, yeah. He has people around him that appreciate him and he appreciates them. And he's, you know, valued in his family as, you know, uh, an anchor, a key person. And, you know, when he goes home, he feels like a king. But then when he comes to work, if you treat him like a dog, it's, it's not going to, he's not going to react, you know, right. He's not, he's not a dog. Yeah, so he's always comparing himself to when he's a king. Yeah. yeah. So everybody has that little bit I of like pride and self-value that, that you need to recognize in them. and and treat them treat them like they're a king of their own and so it's a matter of seeing perspective of the other person's not just you know them in front of you like the uh, gorn on the battlefield or in his ship but you know he has his own people that they're trying to protect too so trying to really see their perspective changes your perspective greatly yeah i like that i like that the idea of basically communicating with the other person to uh you know avoid violence Mm -hmm. something we should Always know. Yeah. Um, that's pretty good. All right. I have some trivia. I want to go over some trivia Ooh. with you, okay? Nice. Okay. So first two bits, again, we learned that cruising speed is warp six, and we mm-hmm. also see the photon torpedoes for the very first time. Nice. Uh, William Shatner currently suffers from tinnitus due to improperly timed special effects during the explosions on this episode. Mm-hmm. Both Leonard Nimoy and uh, DeForest Kelly, which of course is Bones and Spock, um, they also suffered tinnitus for the rest of their lives due to this episode. So I think it was during the battle scenes in the beginning oh, like that. Oh, yeah. The little grenade launcher and stuff. Right. Or the, so, uh, the artillery blasts around them. The artillery them. rounds around them, I think it was probably it. Yeah. So uh, they, they have tinnitus because of it. Hmm. Um, okay, let's see. The Metron, um, played by Caroline 
uh, Barry were named after Metatron, God's other high-ranking soldier in Michael's army of angels, hence their uh, trebic spiritual presence. So they're actually named after like high-ranking angels in the, in, um, the Bible, essentially. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. In Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Family Business from 95, uh, relates that the 2037, uh, 2371 Turan colonists were once given, uh, uh, were once again living on, um, <laughs> God, I can't say this name, Cestius Three, mm-hmm. suggesting that the Federation and Gorn uh, made peace after Kirk's experience. So they, they went back to colonize that same colony again, mm-hmm. according to DB Space Nine. Um, anyways, there are some more trivia. Guys, check out IMDb. They have trivia for every single episode. Uh, but that's just a few of the tidbits that they got over there. I like it. And uh, we just recently started <laughs> releasing uh, Trek Freaks, like trivia TikTok. Uh, yeah, trivia TikToks. So check those out. And we'll, I'm going to I'm gonna try to keep those up. At least doing like one a week would be fun. I'll put a link in the bio to this episode. So if you guys want to join the new Trek Freaks TikTok, Jonathan's running it. And it's pretty cool already. I'm, I'm enjoying it. I don't know. Janeway versus Janeway versus Kirk. That's the poll that's over there right now. I yeah. voted Janeway because uh, I had to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Kirk is in the lead right now. He's in the lead pretty good, but I, I think it's because people are underestimating Janeway. Yep. But if you guys listen to our previous episode, you can uh, hear our debate about that too. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us. If you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe. Check out check us out on uh, geekfreakspodcast.com. Check out our Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, as well as our TikTok. Um, send us any questions if you have a question you want us to read at the beginning of the episode or just a general question for how we do what we do uh, let us know we'd be happy to talk to you guys about it on top of that join us next week uh, when we review season 1 episode 19 tomorrow is yesterday I like that oh and it's my turn um, oh uh, I was going to say Voyager <laughs> Enterprise 2 to beam up